Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Turn, please, to Psalm 89. This is our starting point, but it's just really a bit of a launch pad. If if you're following the Psalms, hope you are this week, you'll have read Psalms 80 up to 89. Just want to remind you as well, if you just have a look in the corner of the Psalms wall, and may I encourage you to express your love, your heart, the things you've seen uh, and, and realized in the Psalms, to express them on that wall at the back. And let's, by the end of the year, have finished it. Psalm 89. I'm just going to read the first um, 18 verses. As we read, just hear the heart and purpose of God expressed in this psalm. I will sing of the Lord's... I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I've made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever, and they will sit on your throne from now until eternity. All heaven will praise your great wonders, Lord. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He's far more awesome than all who surround his throne. O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans, you subdue their storm-tossed waves, you crushed the great sea monster, you scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours and the earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. You created north and south, Mount Tabor and Mount Hermon. Praise your name. Powerful is your arm. Strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high in glorious strength. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. For they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. They exalt your righteousness. You you are their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord. And he, the Holy One of Israel, has given us our King. Amen. How wonderful. How wonderful to read and be reminded of God's unfailing love. And to know that young and old are recipients of his love. And that all of heaven praises him. There there isn't an angel that doesn't bow down before him. The mightiest angelic orders and powers praise the Lord. He rules the oceans. He created the north and the south. Hold that thought. Happy are those who are called to worship him. They walk in his light. They rejoice. They're made strong. If you just... Turn over a few pages to Psalm 107. Just the first opening paragraph here. This is next week, I guess. No, two weeks' time. Three weeks' time. The end of November. It's coming up. Psalm 107. Coming soon to a Bible near you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? 
Then speak out. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west and north and south. The whole earth belongs to the Lord. He created all things. And he's gathering young and old from north and south and east and west. Because everywhere, every direction we could look in, everywhere we could look, belongs to the Lord. In the New Testament, we find Jesus, and we'll come to these later on this morning, we find Jesus saying, "Um, open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ripe for harvest. We find twice Jesus telling the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. All around us, north, south, east and west, it's harvest time. And um, I really appreciated what Richard um, brought us this morning, following on from Chris. Been great to just hear the Lord and be responsive to him this morning. Um, Do you sense in your heart God is doing something special amongst us right now. Do you? Isn't there a sense of something quite vital, quite special? Richard described it as a tremendous sense of family. The Lord is doing something amongst us now. If only we could see behind the scenes sometimes. If only we could draw the curtain back and see all that he's doing. I don't think we'd be able to take it if we could, but if only... Something special is happening here. There is a sense that heaven is open. Always open, of course, we know that. But, but just a little, a little further, things are drawn back for us to see. God is inviting us to see more and to go further and to dream some bigger dreams. And, and what I'd like to do this morning, under this heading behind me, all the towns and villages, I want to try and pull together what I think the Lord is saying, and I want to point us in the direction I know he wants us to go in. There's this sense of God's goodness, of his favor, of his blessing, of his heart towards us, his heart for us in reaching out. There's a sense, I believe, that God wants to propel us outwards. People are being saved and added, young and old, from north and south and east and west. And I think like the, um, like the hosts of heaven, it, there's, just a, there's just a, it's so wonderful just to stand in awe of him, isn't it? Yeah. To cast our crowns before him and stand in awe of him and say, Lord, you are wonderful. You yeah. created all things. Everything belongs to you, Lord. As Richard said, we, in view of his mercy, we bring everything as a a sacrifice, a surrender to him. In the prophetic word that was spoken over the the church through the eldership at Bible Week, the Lord reminded us or, or affirmed to us that we have a vision for the villages the villages all around us. And, and the Lord said, you, you're starting to see it. You're, I love this. You're starting to see it fulfilled. You might think, well, we got lo- there's loads of villages. The Lord says, you're starting. Yeah. Anna reminded us last week, God's vision for us is much bigger. God sees something much bigger than we see for ourselves. That there would be villages all around, villages where there has been no real testimony, but God was going to help us put people there and they're going to bring a testimony. There'll be congregations far and wide. God spoke of Nottinghamshire and other places, congregations far and wide, and the days of growth are upon us. And you say, well, well, we are growing. Yes, but the Lord says, the days of growth are coming upon you. It's much bigger than we realize. What do we see? We've, we've asked that question a few times, haven't we? we? We asked it again at the Momentum Weekend. What do we see? I love the way Anna 
reminded us that it's not a revelation unless we can walk it out. Revelation isn't revelation unless you can walk with it, unless you can run with it, unless you can walk it out. And so, having set the psalm as just a background, I want to take you to three texts that um, are familiar to us, all three of them. There's nothing, there's nothing new in these. These are familiar texts, but as I think of where we are and where God wants to take us, I really believe there's a sense of going back to roots. And in these three texts, we will capture the essence of what God wants us to see. Let me take you back to Genesis, Genesis 28. We're going to Genesis, then we're going to Ephesians. As you know, it's not a proper sermon unless you read from Ephesians. And we're going to open Matthew 9. What does God want us to see? Genesis 28 and verse 10. This is the story of of Jacob and his dream at Bethel. And it says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. Lord, I pray that you'll show us what you want us to see here this morning. Lord, show us what, show every man and woman in this room what you want us to see here this morning, Lord, I pray. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp, and he stopped there for the night. And Jacob found a stone to rest his head against, and he lay down to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. And your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. And they will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And what's more, I'm with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. And one day I'll bring you back to this land. I'll not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I've promised you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. Okay, hold that. Take, come with me to Ephesians chapter 2. The house of God, the gateway to heaven, the place where Jacob realizes God is there, and there's a, there's a direct connection between earth and heaven, and angels are coming, uh, coming, going up and coming down the ladder, and God promises him his descendants will be numerous, they'll, they'll spread out north, south, east, and west, and And God will bless him and all the nations will be blessed through him. That's the place that Jacob says, this is the house of God. And then we come to Ephesians 2 and we we read Paul saying this. (laughs) Verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all God's holy people, and you're members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself, and we're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, you Gentiles also, are also being made part of this 
dwelling where God lives by his spirit. That's the church. That's the house of God. That's the family we're part of. That's, that's, the, that's the household that's being built on great foundations, apostolic, prophetic foundations. Paul says you're part of it. It's God's, this is God's family, God's household, and God wants to, God wants to dwell amongst us by his spirit. We're, he's forming a house that he will come and live in. He is living amongst us. And then I'd like to take you to Matthew 9. Really well-known verses. Really um, precious verses to us. Significant for us as a church. Verse 35. Russell, Russell. Flicker, flicker. Pages, pages. Or in some cases, press a few buttons. You can't beat a Bible, by the way. Just, I don't know whether I've ever mentioned that, but... Uh... Matthew 9.35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages. All the towns and villages. All the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. A Holman says, worn out and weary. Confused, helpless, worn out, weary, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. When we really understand the heart of God, when we really start to grasp the nature of the church, and when we explore some of the practical dynamics of the New Testament then we find recurring references to houses and homes and to towns and villages. I believe God wants to build his house amongst us. He wants his house, his house to be represented in our homes and he wants to do that in every town and village. North, south, east, west, northeast, northwest, southeast, southwest, north, northwest, south, southeast. 360 degrees. If you try and find some um, keys to the sort of strategic, the strategic keys to the advance of the gospel in the New Testament, it's pretty difficult. It seems to me um, houses were the key. Yeah. And the villages were the key, and the towns and the villages. And I want to just show you some of that in a moment. And, and very often, the strategic tool was a healing or a miracle. It was so simple. Because the good news was preached and demonstrated and experienced and was spreading like wildfire from house to house and from village to village. From home to home and from town to town, the good news was spreading throughout the New Testament. Let me just remind you, and I'm just going to take you, just to keep it simple, to just to a few places, but I want to remind you of what happens when we invite Jesus into our homes. So turn it with me into the Gospels, and let's just um, read a few of these. Matthew, I've tried to put these in, in Bible order, okay, just to keep the page turning or the screen Upping and downing. Simple. Matthew 8, 14. You can listen or you can um, turn with me, that's fine. Matthew 8, 14. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, but when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left, and then she got up and prepared a meal for them. 
Jesus arrived at the house and healed the sick. Matthew 9, verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Jesus heals the sick. Jesus shares meals with people in their homes. Matthew 9, 23. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and he heard the funeral music. Get up, he told them. Get out, rather, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. And after the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in, took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. And the report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. Jesus goes into a home and he raises the dead. Luke 5. Luke 5 and 17. This is a great story. Luke, one day Jesus was teaching and some Pharisees and teachers of, the, of religious law were sitting nearby and it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea as well as from the Jerusalem and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Interesting statement, isn't it? And some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat and they tried to take him inside to Jesus but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd so they went up on the roof and took, took off some tap. If you're going to be hosting a life group, Get ready for your ceiling tiles to be disrupted. They took off some ceiling tiles and, um, and they lowered the sick man on his mat down through the crowd right in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the men, young man, your sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven in this house. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus still had one more miracle up his sleeve and Jesus knew what they were thinking so he asked them why do you question this in your hearts is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say stand up and walk so I'll prove to you that the son of man has authority to forgive sins and then he turned to the paralyzed man and said stand up pick up your mat and go home and immediately as everyone watched the man jumped up picked up his mat and went home praising God that happened in a house Luke 5:29 Later Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor and many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them Jesus was the guest of honor at this banquet in a home and he saves, and, and he eats, he comes alongside sinners. And, and finally, Luke 19 sits with those that others wouldn't associate with. Luke 19, verse 9. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Now, you may think I'm sort of laying it on a bit thick. That's fine. I'm just trying to show you what God's house looks like. What happens in God's house? What happens in God's home? What happens when you, when you translate Genesis 28 into the New Testament. Angels are ascending and descending and God is promising numerous descendants and God is saying, I'm with you. And it's all taking place in people's homes. I could take you to loads of other references. I've just tried to keep it fairly brief. But you know what? Acts, the book of Acts tells us that the church met from house to house. And when you read through the book of Acts, you find there as well healing, salvation, people being baptized in the Spirit, angelic visitation. You find resurrection, again, all happening in the home. The, new, the, the epistles describe the church that meets in your home. This is the house of God. This is the church of Jesus Christ, and it's expressed in homes. It makes sense, doesn't it? God sees his church as a house. And therefore, it is perfectly, fully expressed 
when we meet in our homes. This is God's house. The good news spread like wildfire from house to house to house to house. And then from village to village. Let me just read a few verses to you here. They're all from Luke's Gospel. This is, this is the, the heart, the essence of Jesus' own great intention, his own great purpose. Luke 4.37 says, The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. Luke 4.40 As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus, and no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Luke 4.43, he says, and this is, this is immediately following this, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that's why I was sent. Luke 8.1, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. Luke 13, 22, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on towards Jerusalem. Again, we could go into Matthew's gospel, we could go into Mark's gospel. Jesus came with an intent to reach all the towns and all the villages. You know, sometimes we're not an, we're not an urban church, we're not a city church. Sometimes you think, well, you know, our part of the mission is, is a little lower key. No, it's not. I just, leaving the house this morning, I felt the Lord say, reaching the villages is not a small vision. Jesus came to reach all the towns and villages. We're not gleaning around the edges of the harvest field. This is the harvest, folks. God's placed us right in the middle of it. When Jesus sends out the disciples... The same pattern continues. Turn with me to Luke 9, verse 6. I know, you know, I know for some of us this is really familiar, but I just feel this morning it's vital. Every heart gets captured. Every one of us in this room to see this. Jesus himself did a circuit. He came to go to all the villages. He came to go to all the towns. In Luke 9 and verse 6, as he sends out... Well, Luke 9 and verse 1, one day Jesus called together the 12 and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he gives them some instructions in red letters. And then it says in verse 6, so they began their circuit of the villages preaching the good news and healing the sick. So they weren't just praying for the sick, they were healing the sick. Luke 10. It's gone so well with the 12 that in Luke 10, he now chose 72 other disciples. And he sent them ahead of him in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And these were his instructions to them. Loads more red letters. But he sent them into all the towns, into all the villages. Folks, I find two inescapable, really vital truths in what we're reading this morning. The first is this. Jesus loves every town, every village, north, south, east, west, in Leicestershire, in Warwickshire, in Northamptonshire, in Nottinghamshire, in Derbyshire, in Rutland, wherever else he wants to send us. Jesus wants to visit all those places and wants to send us out as his sent ones. Secondly, his church is expressed as a house, as a home and therefore is perfectly expressed in a house, in a home, and why not yours? 
the setting for Jesus' ministry. What was the setting for the miracles? What was the setting for the, the healings, for the, for the good news? What was the, wh- where was the harvest so right? When Jesus looks around and he says the harvest is plentiful, where was he looking? Well, I reckon the life, the miracles, the power, the, the ingathering of Jesus takes place from house to house and from village to village, from town to town. And, and this, has, this has really exciting implications. I'm going to do this alphabetically. Okay? Jesus loves Barwell. Do you know, I knew... I knew that would happen. <laughs> Jesus loves bitters well. <laughs> Listen, folks, Jesus loves them. There's no booing when I read these names out, okay? <laughs> Jesus loves Blaby. He loves Broughton Astley. He loves Burbage. He loves Claythorpe. He loves Colville. He loves Cosby. He loves Croft. He loves Count. Well, he loves the people in these places. He loves Desford, he loves Earl Shilton, he loves Enderby, he loves Frolsworth, Glenfield, Glenparver, Hinckley, Huncote, Ibstock, Kibworth, Kilworth, Leicester, Littlethorpe, Lutterworth, Market Bosworth, Narborough, Nuneaton, there's loads of S's, Sapcote, Stoke Golding, Scraptoft, Sharnford, Stony Santon, Sutton Cheney. He loves Thurliston, Ullersthorpe, Whetstone, and Wigston. And anywhere else I've missed. Okay, shout them out, folks. Come on. He loves Galby. Gil Morton. How did I forget that? He loves Elmsthorpe. Elmsthorpe. I said that twice now. He must really love Elmsthorpe. Sutton in the Elms. Holding on to their identity. They're not part of Broughton Astley. Anywhere else? I said that. As Monsell. Hallelujah, he does. Beaumont, Beaumont Lees. I was trying to name places where we're from, okay? There's loads of others. We could... We could. Dunton Bassett. Belton. Are we done? You don't live in Anstey. Whittick. He loves the people in all those places and all the... Do you remember, I tried to find it. Do you remember that slide we had maybe a year ago? All the villages in Leicestershire in about eight-point font to fit them on the screen. Hundreds of them. Hundreds and hundreds of villages. And the Lord loves them all. I drove from our house to Richard's house on Thursday through maybe four or five places, new houses being built in all of them. All the villages. God's bringing the world here, folks, to our little patch of planet Earth. It's all happening here. And I believe the Lord looks north and south and east and west. He sees those who are weary and worn out those who are confused and helpless, those who are sick with every kind of illness and disease. He sees sheep without shepherds everywhere, which is a travesty. It's a travesty in the church. It's a travesty in the world. Every sheep needs a shepherd. If you're in this room and you haven't got a shepherd, you don't know who your shepherd is, Seriously, you need to know that. The Lord wants every sheep to have shepherds. He looks north, south, east and west. He's moved with compassion. And he sees harvest everywhere. He sees harvest everywhere. And I believe he wants to be invited into our houses, our homes Because he wants to heal, he wants to open blind eyes, he wants to sit with those that people wouldn't normally sit with, he wants to meet the lost, he wants to raise the dead, he wants to bring life in all our homes. And we're in a time, we're in this time which feels 
precious, vital, important, significant, like a, like a springboard into something. I, I, believe, I believe something happened when we gathered for momentum. And we've actually seen it. We're not just talking about it. God has spoken of growth. We are seeing an influx of new people coming into the church from around the villages. People moving into the area, young couples, older couples. We're so blessed you're here with us. People finding Living Rock, often finding us online. And wanting to be part of a life group. And God is adding, significantly adding, gifting Adding manpower, adding workers, harvesters. God's doing that right now. We've seen decisions for Christ with Anna last week. Twelve decisions for Christ. Great to see Kat here today. Woo woo woo! I know you're not the only one, but the only one I can see from here. I know you gave your life to Jesus just just ten days ago. Praise God! And there were others just like you. The Lord is adding people. God, is, God, is, God wants us to be ready, folks, for what he sees. God's brought a fresh re-emphasis on our mission to reach the villages, the towns and the villages. I believe when Anna was with us, we saw Ephesians 4 in action in this sense. A gift of Christ came amongst us but worked with a body that was making increase, is making increase of itself. That means we can see people saved every day, as we did last week, because we're still here. We're still here. And God's raising up gift amongst us. Gifts of evangelists. God has a body here which is making increase of itself. When you put the gift with the body, all of this has direct implications for the shape and the format of what we do and how we do it. Uh, and, And let me just say this. We must be ready with nets or with wineskins, whichever image you want to take. We must be ready for all God wants to do. So there are some things we're going to do. At the start of next year, we're going to, uh, well, we've begun to reconsider. And where necessary, we're going to either tweak or shift and adjust the way we meet from house to house and from village to village. The bottom line is we need more life groups. And we need more groups. And we need a clearer geographic focus so that we know we're in the villages. I drove through these five villages. I wonder how we're going to get information through those letterboxes, all these new homes. I think we need groups in all the villages so that we can, we can take ownership in the groups where I live. We can start to own the place we live in and say, this is the harvest field. Many of the groups are already like that, so, so a bit of tweaking is needed. But, but some of the groups are, are, are now so big, praise God, that we need to have more groups. I reckon that in, initially we need at least 30 groups, which is about a 50% increase. But the great news is, as we've looked at who could lead groups, I reckon we've got about at least 60 couples or or individuals who would do a brilliant job of leading a group. Hallelujah. If not 61. (laughs) This, This time we're in is a fantastic opportunity to embrace God's bigger purpose. And we've got to be flexible. We've got to be willing to reshape. We've got to be, be able to accommodate the heart of God. And I just feel it's time for some changes. I felt really strongly a few weeks ago, God's, I think it was at Momentum, God said, I want to shift the infrastructure. It sounds scary, but it's brilliant. Because what could be worse than staying in an old wineskin? You know... There's this, this thing I read. There's, there's two types of pain. And I think in, 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 the, in, the, 
in the quote, he said, there's the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. But let me just change that first one and say there's the pain of discipline or the pain of change or the pain of regret. But the difference is the pain of change or or of discipline um, doesn't last very long and only weighs ounces. But the pain of regret can last a lifetime and it weighs tons. This is a great opportunity God has God has got for us. Um, We never want to change things for the sake of it. Uh, We're not into that at all, but we do want to change in response to growth and in response to God's word. And if we don't change, we will forfeit the future. I'm not not up for that. (laughs) And um, I just want to assure you over the next few weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Um, we're going to involve all the existing life group leaders in, in, in working out how we do things. Just to say, there's no need to be concerned. There really isn't. When we, when we changed the groups um, recently in, in Harborough, um, we, I, I just said to the folks, you know, really, we should be doing this every six months. Because if we're believing in daily addition, there'll be a need for this every six months. So, so let's not get trapped in something that's familiar, but but God wants to push us out. Yeah. Don't be concerned. It'll be great. You'll make some new friends, and God will give us grace to adjust. And uh, we've got to get used to expansion, constant expansion, and all the adjustments that brings. It takes us back to our roots, folks. Reaching the villages. Meeting from house to house. The gospel flourishing in our homes, across all the towns and villages of the region, shifting the infrastructure. On um, the 15th of January, what we're thinking is, instead of an annual church meeting on a midweek, why don't we have a Sunday, and the Sunday is 15th of January. Does anybody know they're not going to be here on the 15th of Jan? Excellent. (laughs) Because what's going to happen on the 15th of January, we're going to have a Sunday, I hope it won't be the only one, where everybody is in the meeting at the same time. Wouldn't that be great? Nobody's away that weekend. Nobody's doing something, visiting somebody. But all the church is all together, all at the same time. Whee! 15th of January is the day. I'm, I'm calling this the Great Gathering. Richard referred to it this week as the Mega Meeting. We haven't got a name for it. But how about we have a great big mega meeting gathering on the 15th of January and we're all here together. Does that sound good? And um, instead of the church meeting where we we often present reports, because we did that in September at Momentum, we just have a fantastic pack-out meeting, all the church, all together, all at the same time. Who's up for it? Who's going to be there? 15th of January? Come on, Paul Smith. Put your hand up. I can see you. (laughs) 15th of Jan, we're all going to be there. And uh, something else we'll probably do on that day is release Market Harbour to Sunday morning meetings. God's got lots to do. He wants to move things around. He wants to shift things. And he wants to take us all from one place, one degree of glory, to another one, a better one. Let me just finish with this. There's, there's a couple of stories, and one of them was referred to by Anna. The other one, in fact, he, I think he actually referred to both of these. The first is in 2 Kings, chapter 6. When Deborah and I became Christians over 30 years ago, I was five, she was <laughs> like one or two. Um, the, uh, I just was reminded of this when Anna made reference to this verse that the lady that led us to Christ and prayed for us to be baptized in the spirit Judith um, she brought me this word and um, at the time it didn't particularly have any significance but I believed it, well, it had some it resonated a little bit but the more and more God takes me on 
the more I appreciate this, the essence of this word. It's in 2 Kings 6, verse 15. And it's this story of where um, um, Elisha has his, has his, his, his um, assistant with him, the servant of the man of God. And uh, it's all about what they see. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere, enemies. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. So this, 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 this servant is looking. All he can see all around him is the enemy. And Elisha says, don't worry, there's far more on our side than on their side. And he's looking and he's like, what? Has Elisha gone mad? I can only see me and him. Who else is on our side? Then Elisha prayed, verse 17, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Chariots of fire. The Lord wants to open our eyes, folks, and see what he sees. Now I take you to John 4, last thing we'll look at. John chapter 4. Verse 28. This is the story of the woman at the well. It's a great story. We'll pick it up towards the end. Um, Verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well, and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. All right? Have that in mind. People have left the village to come and see Jesus. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is is uh, people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from that village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, They begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves, and now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. I wanted to read to the end because I just love that. But here's the point. The whole village are on their way to see Jesus. Meanwhile, he's talking to his disciples, lots of red letters, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says, open your eyes and look at the field. And as they look up, what they see is the village on the way to them. We have to open our eyes and see what the Lord wants us to see. The Lord is on our side. The Lord created all things. He owns all things. All things belong to him, north and south and east and west. He loves all the villages we're in, but he loves all the others we're not in yet. He loves all the village you guys live in. He loves all your friends, all your neighbors, all your schoolmates. He loves everybody around us. 
north and south and east and west. And I believe it's time for us to do something really amazing together. Amen. Amen. Shall we stand to our feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. We lift our hands to you this morning, Lord. We want to thank you that you've things to show us that we've not seen yet. You don't want to keep us in a vision that's too small. But Lord, you want to open our eyes and see that all around us is harvest. People on their way to Jesus. People in need of him. People who are worn out and weary. People who may not be worn out and weary at all, but they're still in need of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you will open the eyes of our church. Every man, every woman, every young man, every young woman, every child, every boy, every girl. You'll open our eyes, Lord. And we'll see things. We'll begin to see things. We'll catch a glimpse of things, Lord, the way you see them. We'll see the size of what you have for us. We'll see the blueprint, the heavenly blueprint. We'll see the the gospel dynamic. We'll see the gospel spreading like wildfire from house to house, from village to village, from town to town. And Lord, we will have no regrets because we will make the sacrifice needed in view of your mercy to give ourselves fully to you in these wonderful great days of harvest. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harborough. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you. Thank you.